Made for more living. One small step for man. With Johnny Jennings. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The fastest and most exciting hour of news, events, and real estate in Northern California. And this is a fact that was proved. Powered by EXP Realty. Online at madeformoreliving.com. Does everybody know what time it is? Get ready. Here we go. The storms the last few weeks have been absolutely insane. You probably know somebody who has been affected and lost power, or maybe you yourself had lost power. And I myself, I lost power for only two hours. I live in Rockland, but I have friends who were without power for days. And we were texting back and forth and just talking about why are we paying so much money to these utility companies, specifically PG&E, when they provide an inconsistent service and they just charge through the nose. So I'm so excited for today's guest. We have Sean Davis, and he's going to be speaking on the state of energy in California and what you can do about it. Sean, welcome to the show. Johnny, thank you so much. Super happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, yeah, absolutely. And so the state of energy in California, like what what can we expect? Like the, the storms have been hammering us. People are wondering, okay, why am I paying so much money? Is there any respite in sight? Unfortunately, I think what you can expect is uh, more chaos to come. And and the reason that is, is when you think about where, where we are right now in the state of California in terms of energy, you know, California's got some very aggressive green energy goals, right? They want to be carbon neutral by 2040. New what, is, what does that mean, carbon neutral? It, it basically means that they want to offset whatever carbon that they create, whatever's going up into the atmosphere by offering green energy programs that help them to neutralize their net footprint. So effectively, what they want to do is go much greener with everything. Energy, they're getting rid of natural gas, hot water heaters and furnaces by 2030. They're getting rid of um, small off-road combustible engines and weed eaters, lawnmowers, blowers, and chainsaws. All of that stuff is coming. Everything is becoming more electrified. The problem is, as you're referencing right now, the grid, our grid in California, specifically the PG&E grid, is so old and archaic that it cannot stand these weather events, and it won't be able to stand the significant and increased usage that California is planning for all of us with these aggressive green energy goals that are coming. So what what would you recommend we do to prepare for that? Because I I know that lawnmowers and all that stuff, that's going into effect soon, right? Like within the next 2025-ish? Yes, correct. 2025, that goes into effect. 2030s when the natural gas, hot water heaters and furnaces go into effect. And then, you know, of course, we can't not talk about Governor Newsom signing that executive order that he wants everyone driving an electric vehicle by 2035. Oh, man. Just just a little point here that I think your audience might uh, appreciate. If you drive 100 miles in a fully electric car, So think 50 mile round trip, right? You bring that car back home to charge it up. Most EVs have somewhere between an 80 to 100 kilowatt hour battery. You charge that car back up at home for a 100 mile drive. You're going to use the same. You're going to consume the same amount of energy charging that car up as the average home uses on a full day in California. And so they want millions more EVs driving these roads with a grid that already can't handle how much energy we demand today. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I think it's not going to be a good, good look. So there's so many different potential opportunities. Like you and I have talked about this in the past. That's why we wanted to have you on this show. Like, but that blew my mind. A hundred miles is the equivalent of one day's worth of yeah. electricity usage. Yeah. So get, so get this, the Tesla semi, awesome looking truck, very futuristic, right? Oh, no, Delivering Lay's potato chips Pepsi, and yeah. Pepsi Cokes and stuff like that. That thing has a thousand kilowatt hour battery on it. So when that truck depletes its battery fully, driving around town, delivering potato chips and soda, it's going to take the same energy to charge it back up again as 33 homes use on an average day in California. So imagine hundreds of thousands of those trucks roaming our roads. How is this helping that whole carbon neutral goal be achieved? Because right now, the predominant way that we generate energy in California is natural gas. And so, as natural gas prices have risen, the cost of energy has risen. And then, in addition to that, you've got PG&E stepping on the gas right now, trying to underground 10,000 miles of utility lines. And get this, the cost, the average cost of undergrounding one mile of utility lines is about $3 million. So we're talking about a $30 billion endeavor in today's dollars, depending on how long it takes them. And so when you think about that, they're they're aggressively moving forward to try to limit how much natural gas energy we produce. And that's why California mandated that all new construction in California in 2019 had to have solar. And I think the next iteration of it's going to be solar and batteries to try to address this issue. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the next thing is like, 
you're talking about it's this increased load on the grid. Well, are homes just going to need to have batteries? Because it sounds to me like the next logical step would be scheduled brownouts. Yeah, I, I do. Scheduled brownouts, I, it's very, very smart and very intelligent that you said that because I see that coming. I see such a grid problem in the future that in certain areas on the second Tuesday of the month, you're not going to have power in your area between the hours of 5 and 10 because the grid won't be able to handle all this increased usage. Not to mention the biggest thing, the biggest thing I think Californians should worry about is if you're paying attention, PG&E has risen so much in cost because of their bankruptcy and now they're wanting to prevent that from happening again undergrounding all these lines they just went up 13% in January of this year with another 2 billion dollar rate increase taking effect in March keep in mind the 13% was 1 billion they want 2 more billion that will take effect in March many people listening to this right now could see a 30% rise in PG&E territory and their energy costs for 2024 wow 30% and that's this is just to help pay for undergrounding these lines and how their lawsuits and stuff. Like, yeah, so so think about it this way. So PG&E is for profit, publicly traded company with a board of directors. Their okay. sole mission is to make money for their shareholders, right? Going bankrupt is the opposite of that mission. So when the campfire happened, and then shortly after the campfire, Dixie Fire, two major fires, campfire, you know, ended the lives of eighty five people. PG&E goes bankrupt as a result of that, claiming responsibility for it, not really acknowledging it, but they were responsible, so they're bankrupt. What they don't want is another paradise. They don't, they don't want another campfire. Mm. So they have to underground these lines. The problem is they should have been doing this for four decades. Why weren't kind of, they? Well, quite honestly, because if you if you pay attention, they were paying their executives fat salaries. They were trying to make their quarterly benchmarks. They're a publicly traded company. The more profit they show, the more response they get from shareholders, the more value they're adding to shareholders. And they just they just ignored maintenance. So they were negligent. What, That's why they went bankrupt. Negligent. So from what you're saying, they were just kicking the can down the road, cash and checks, and now we get to pay for their mistakes. Correct. And now you're looking at a utility crisis. And for most people... What, what is happening right now in California is people are suffering in silence in their own homes. Mm-hmm. They're not able to keep temperatures in their homes where they'd ideally like them to be that provides comfort and respite and renewal and relaxation. They're suffering in silence in the summer, sweating because they can't turn down the AC because it's too expensive. Or conversely, in the winter, they're bundling up with jackets and coats in their own home because they can't afford to heat the house. Absolutely. I just We just helped somebody move into a slightly larger home. But it has a gas fireplace, and they were so excited. So they went from being, I think it was Roseville Electric to PG&E, and they were so excited to be in this home, <laughs> winter time, and and running this gas fireplace, like the TV over the gas fireplace, the the Christmas tree over in the corner, and then they got their their gas bill. They're like, "What in the world? This yes. is unreal!" Yeah, and so they're going to dial back their their gas usage, right? It's just they have to live within their their means. But unfortunately, like what you're saying, many people are are not able it's not it's more than just the gas the gas fireplace the optional thing it's like this is how they heat and cool their home or they're they're deciding not to make lifestyle changes because they can't afford the home with the pool because they can't afford to run the pool pump all summer long correct right? 100% yeah yeah and so um we'll 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 discuss different options down the road but like what what I'm most interested in is what what in this show will we will cover what people will be able to do and what their options are but out the gate, like essentially the takeaway from this first this first segment is PGE is going to be increasing rates. There is hope. There are options, but the rates are inevitable. There's there's no yeah. turning back. If you if you look at it, it's kind of like today, right? Dark gray clouds looming on the energy horizon. Yeah. And I think everybody should be preparing for the worst. Preparing for the worst and Hoping for the best? <laughs> We've got some answers. We've got some solutions. Got I'll, some be, solutions. I'll, I'll be able to, let's give some people some hope, all right? We do have some answers for them. We have tons of ho- tons of answers, tons of hope. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. This is Sean Davis. He's the uh, the uh, the host of SolarWise. Right? Yeah. When, when's your show air? My show airs uh, every Saturday on uh, AM 1530 KFBK. It's at 4 p.m. And if anybody's interested in solar, all you got to do is text one word, solar, S-O-L-A-R, to this number, 84503. Solar to 84503. Solar 84503. All right. Thank you so much, Sean. We'll be back right after this.
Sean Davis here, radio show host and more importantly, solar broker. And I'm reaching out to those of you that are lamenting, are frustrated with the fact that your utility bills in PG&E territory keep rising. The only option you have for saving money, the only option for taking control of your energy future is solar. As a solar broker owning a company called SolarWise, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Let us help you explore solar. Our pledge is to give you five or six quotes from five or six different companies. So if you text SOLAR to 84503, we'll see if we can help you save money. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. There has been some major change in solar recently. This is a major shakeup in the solar industry, and it impacts everybody in the state of California. And so on the show today, we have Sean Davis with SolarWise, and he's going to be talking to us about what's happening in the wonderful world of solar. And it has to do with net energy metering, fancy term, NEM. Sean, what's going on? Ah, Johnny, thank you so much. Yeah. So um, solar and the solar business went through a major transformation um, last year. And so let me explain what happened. So on any bright, sunshiny day, if somebody has solar existing currently, that solar system will generate more energy than what that homeowner is usually using inside the home. So I want you to imagine bright, sunshiny spring day, summer day, those types of days. So the one thing about solar is it's static. You know, it's not it's not flexible. It's not malleable. It doesn't have an accelerator. I can't make it generate more energy than it's going to generate. I can't make it generate less. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's outside the home, solar system's cranking, they're not inside the house, it's generating a lot of energy. Before April of 2023, um, everybody in California that had solar was part of Net Energy Metering 2.0, which basically meant when that that energy, that excess energy was created from the solar system, it would be sent, let's say, for example, to pg and It'd be sent to pg and and pg and would store 100% of that energy and allow that homeowner to then pull it back from pg and when they got home, let's say in the dark, because solar only works when the sun's shining, right? Sure. So the solar system generated all this energy, pg and stored it, almost acting like a surrogate battery for homeowners, storing that energy, allowing them to pull it back later that night, Later that week, later that month, or later in the year. So this is the whole true-up thing with solar. Mm. PG&E gives you one year to produce as much energy against as much consumption as you can, and it's full value. So that's the way solar worked prior to April of last year. I was on a call on December 15th of 2022, where the California Public Utilities Commission was debating or making a decision on whether to implement net energy metering 3.0. Heard hundreds of homeowners say, vote no, vote no, vote no. And in four hours, I never heard one homeowner say, vote yes. Yet the CPUC sided with the big bully that is PG&E and enacted NEM 3.0, which changed that compensation rate. So effectively, now when somebody goes solar, their system will still generate more energy on a bright, sunshiny day than they than they would consume in the house. But now if a homeowner does not have a battery, that energy still gets exported to PG&E. But Johnny, PG&E now keeps 75% of it. So 75% of that excess energy now is taken by PG&E, even though it was generated by the homeowner, even though it was generated by the system that the homeowner paid for, they keep 75% of it effectively. So what you're saying is then they have to then buy that energy that they produced back? No, they don't have to buy it back, but you get less credit for what you gave. So so think of it this way. Prior to this change, PG&E for most people served as a surrogate battery, mm-hmm. stored the energy, brought it back to them. Now people need their own battery. So if you could, if, if you had a bank that you went to and every $100 you deposited, the bank kept 75 of it and you only had access to 25, you wouldn't bank with that bank. You'd bury your money in your backyard or put it in a safe at your house. That's the idea behind the battery systems now. Solar now requires a battery in order for the homeowner to store that energy. Because if they have a battery, same situation occurs, energy produced, excess, now stored in the battery when the homeowner comes home, they can pull it out of the battery without that degradation or loss. Wow. So people called this a solar killer last year. They thought it was going to end the business because of the significantly reduced compensation. I'd never been busier. It didn't end the business. It just changed how you should build a system now. And it changed the amount of compensation that new homeowners get. 
stated a different way, I would say to anybody that's listening right now, if you've got a solar system that you had installed prior to April of 2023, that system has a lot more value than new systems. If you ever go to sell the house, you're grandfathered in for 20 years on that one-to-one compensation. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody put a solar system in in 2020, okay? They now have up until 2040 to get that one-to-one credit with PG&E, whereas new solar customers right now would really need to get a battery to have it look and act like that NEM 2.0 system. Got it. So what would that battery typically cost? Uh, depends on the battery, and there's there's major differences amongst batteries. So batteries today can either be cost-savings batteries, which provide that stored energy benefit that I just spoke about. Um, in addition to that, you can have a battery that not only has cost-savings attributes to it, but it also provides um, some mechanism of backup power to the home. You mm-hmm. mentioned the storms and yep. people being out of power. You know, in pg e territory, that's very persistent power loss, right? Yep. Smud, less so. Roseville Electric, less so. But in pg territory, it's persistent because of their aged grid structure. And and they're a monopoly. They're the only game in town. You buy a house in PG&E territory, you're stuck with PG&E. The only real option people have for independence is solar and or solar and a battery. So that's where those come into play. But generally speaking, cost savings batteries, somewhere between eight to 10 grand, uh, full battery backup, you know, anywhere from 16 to 18 grand is 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 a reasonable estimate, but they're they're not inexpensive by any means. No, not at all. And so, why would they even want to change from NEM or NEM 2.0 to like? Why did they even change it at all? I don't understand. Well, what PG&E argued was by giving full value credit for the energy that a homeowner produced and sent to them. They give that homeowner a retail value. It was the most expensive energy they bought. In theory, because mm. even though they're not paying the homeowner, they're forfeiting revenue that they would have gotten had they not had it be that way. So PG&E argued, this is unfair. Solar customers are getting the lion's share of the benefit. PG&E has a huge lobby. They're a big beast in California. And the reality of it is, is I think that they push their weight around, you know, I think they greased the hands of people that they probably needed to grease the hands of. Mm. And effectively now, because the the homeowners did not benefit. California homeowners that want to save money with solar, homeowners that want to go green, this change was not to their advantage. Solar still works. It still saves. It still saves a ton against PG&E because PG&E is rising in cost, you know, significantly and very quickly. So solar still works, but it works less as good or there's less benefit for that exported energy. Um, than people had before. Man, that's, that's, to say the least, infuriating because they're trying to move us towards this carbon neutral, am I saying that right? Carbon yes. neutral footprint. And they're, they're de-incentivizing us to do so in the meantime. Correct. That is, Correct. That is so, just insane. According to that, then why? If it doesn't make sense, if it's nonsensical, if, it's a, if there's a conflict, then there means there's a missing piece that we're not seeing. Absolutely. There's a puzzle piece there. And, and the problem is, I think that this is only just the beginning, you know, because if you pay attention to what PG&E says, they don't want another paradise. They want to underground their lines. Undergrounding lines today in 2024 is super expensive. So the 13% rate increase that I told you about before, that was attributable to them requiring or requesting 800 miles of of undergrounding. So 13% for 800 miles. Thus far, they've only undergrounded 600 miles. They want to underground 10,000 miles to prevent the company from ever going bankrupt again because of a paradise or campfire or Dixie fire. So they will do this. It will happen. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take and how much money it's going to cost. But at, at a rough estimate, it's either 1.8 million a mile up to 6 million a mile do the math. Wow. 10,000 miles is a lot of money. And that $1 billion rate increase was 13%. We're talking about $30 billion on average to underground 10 million mile, or 10,000 miles of lines. So just hearing you speak, it got me thinking, and it almost sounds like people are paying twice. They're paying, at least if they're on the NEM, am I saying it right? NEM. Yeah, just say NEM. NEM. NEM's easier. Sounds cooler. NEM 3.0, they're paying twice. They're, they're generating the solar and then they're having to essentially buy it back from the company at a 75 to 25% you know, exchange rate. Is that correct? They're not buying it back. They just get let, less credit for the energy that they sent. Okay. So they get less credit. So um, they're getting less credit on that 
Meanwhile, the less credit that they're receiving, they're having to pay higher rates on that energy. Correct. So PG&E just essentially doubled down and... Yeah, for the, for those that are listening, I mean, you know, my former background was a 22-year financial advisor, and I used to have people complain all the time about paying taxes on their Social Security because tax Social Security was a tax when they were working. Yeah. So if you were successful enough in in accumulating savings for retirement, you now are facing tax on a tax that you had when you were working. So uh, you're right. So California is forcing more energy usage on us all, and PG&E is charging us a lot more for that usage. So for most homeowners, it's a double whammy. Get this, and as much as we talked about EV charging and driving 100 miles on an electric vehicle consumes about the same amount of energy the house does, understand this. Relative to the, the things that are coming, it takes four times as much energy to heat air as it does to cool air. So most people listening to me right now, their most onerous utility bills are coming in summer. July, August, September, massive bills because they're trying to crank down the air and the AC up, right? Well, imagine if your bills in the winter time are four times as big as your worst bills in summer because now every house has to have an electric furnace or an electric heat pump to heat the air because they're getting rid of natural gas, hot water heaters and furnaces. Where is all this electricity coming from? Well, that's the problem additionally. Right now in California, we source 31% of our energy needs from outside our own state borders. We get energy from Arizona. We get energy from Nevada. We get energy quite literally from Mexico and Canada. California today cannot handle how much energy it consumes, yet they want to double down, step on the gas, and make everybody consume massive amounts of increased energy in the future when we're not firing up any new nuclear power plants, any coal-fired power plants, any natural gas-fired power plants. So effectively, that's a great question. But for the homeowners that are listening right now, the only opportunity that you have for mitigating this, the only opportunity you have for savings, for any control, is to produce your own power. The only way you can do that for most residential homeowners is through solar. So solar is, in my opinion, the only way to get ahead of this, the only way to mitigate some of it, the only way to reduce some of the liability or the potential increased cost that's coming down the road. Solar is the only answer. Wow. Yeah, it just seems... Like there's 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 all these incentives that the government is pushing on us, but there's no solutions, and they're just backing us into a corner, expecting us to pay for it. Oh, we've got we've got massive incentives, and I think in our next segment we'll talk a bit more about that. But effectively, right now, if somebody's listening, I, I actually have an authored paper that I wrote. It's the it's the 2024 best solar incentives. As a broker, right now, I represent about 11 different solar installation companies. I try to help homeowners find the best company to to install a system that meets their needs at their home, and we've got got some great incentive programs. Again, we'll get into that in the next segment. But if you're listening right now and you'd like to understand what those incentives are, I've got a white paper I'll send you. It's the best incentives for 2024 as a solar broker I have. All you've got to do is text SOLAR, one word, S-O-L-A-R, to 84503. So anybody that's listening that wants to know about those solar incentives, text SOLAR to 84503. Awesome. And we'll be back after this break with more information about how you can save money using solar and stick it to the utility companies. John Davis here, radio show host, and more importantly, solar broker. I represent 11 completely different companies that install quality solar products at fair pricing. And I want to speak to those of you out there in PG&E territory that are lamenting these outrageous utility price increases that we're dealing with. My friends, solar can save you money. The best way to get ahead of this, the best way to save money in PG&E territory is solar. So if you're listening right now, if you'd like to learn more, text SOLAR, one word, to 84503. Once again, text SOLAR to 84503. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. If you live in the Sacramento area, you have probably been pitched solar. Your door has probably been knocked not once, not twice, but probably eight different times. And you're wondering, what the heck? Why are these people just banging on my door? I want real answers, but I don't know you. I don't trust you. And besides, all the solar incentives are gone. You're just here trying to get money out of my pocket. Well, if you want to hear from somebody who knows exactly what's happening in solar today, who is trustworthy, who has a track record of success, then stay tuned in because we have Sean Davis with SolarWise with us today. Sean, 
Please tell us that there are still some incentives out there for people looking to get into solar. <laughs> Johnny, thank you so much. Yeah, there's there's uh, definitely still incentives, and uh, I'll talk about those in, in just a moment. But yeah, don't don't be concerned that they've gone away, that they've actually never been better. So effectively, um, in t- late 2022, President Biden signed the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, And so that act actually, actually changed some of the incentives that were available for solar because several of them were set to expire. And so I think there's probably somebody listening right now that thought the tax credit benefit may have expired. Mm-hmm. So in that Inflation Reduction Act, they took the tax credit benefit that you have for buying a solar system and increased it to 30% across the board through 2032. So what that basically means is um, there's a big difference between something that gives you a tax credit benefit and something that gives you a tax deduction benefit. For the benefit of your audience, I'll I'll illuminate. So, for example, um, if somebody's listening right now and they claim mortgage interest deductions or if they you know, put money into a 401k, for example, let's say a husband and wife are working, they make a hundred grand a year, they're funding their 401ks, $10,000. So effectively, they get a shelter, that $10,000 deducted from their $100,000 income. And all Uncle Sam sees is maybe 90000 of income. So if they're in a 35% tax bracket, they save $3,500 for putting that money in a tax-deferred vehicle like a retirement plan. That's a tax deduction benefit. Solar enjoys a tax credit. A tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar offset of taxes owed. I like to say, depending on your tax liability, it's two to three times more valuable than something that would give you a tax deduction. So let me give you an example. Let's say somebody listening right now has a liability of 20000 on their income. Uh, they paid 20000 so when they go to file their taxes, they don't owe anything, they don't get a refund, everything's copacetic. Now that same example, let's say somebody buys a $30,000 solar incentive, or excuse me, a $30,000 solar system. That $30,000 solar system would enjoy a 30% federal income tax credit benefit. 30% of $30,000 is $9,000. So effectively, in that example, homeowner paid $20,000 of withholdings, owed $20,000, no refund, no benefit. The $9,000 from the solar system replaces $9,000 of their withholding, thereby giving them a $9,000 refund because they bought the solar system. Wow. So uh, most people that are listening could enjoy that benefit either in the form of reduced taxes owed, if you're in a situation where you normally owe, or getting a bigger refund or maybe some combination of the two. Maybe I was going to owe three grand in tax, but now because I bought the solar system, I don't owe the three, and I'm getting back six thousand. Now, let me be very clear because a lot of, and I mean this pun, Johnny. Okay. There's a lot of shady folk in solar. Oh gosh, <laughs> dad joke. There's a lot of shady folk in solar, and so there's a lot of people out there in my industry that try to make homeowners think that this is a rebate. There's a difference between a rebate and a tax credit. Oh my gosh, my head's spinning. We got we got deductions, credits, and now we're in rebates. Yeah. So here, here's here's the, the material difference, and it's meaningful. So that's that that's why I want to explain it. A rebate. Every purchaser that buys a product that has a rebate gets that rebate. They get a check in the mail. Mm-hmm. The only people that can enjoy a tax credit benefit are people that have a tax liability. So if somebody's listening right now and maybe their only source of income is Social Security and they have very little tax liability, if any tax liability, having a $9,000 tax credit is like having a coupon for an item that they never plan to purchase or can't purchase. It's not valuable to them. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I make the distinction. It's not a rebate, but it is a tax credit. So stated simply, if you pay taxes or have a tax liability of any thing, then that tax credit from purchasing solar would be an advantage to you. So that's incentive number one. You get this 30% federal income tax credit benefit. But um, some people that are listening right now, you may have some folks in a rural part of Placer County, El Dorado County. I want to talk to the mountain folks out there, the people that are in the trees. So currently, California has a self-generation incentive program. They call it, coincidentally, SGIP. Self-Generation Incentive Program. And so what this program is for is people that live in a CPUC, which is the California Public Utilities Commission, high fire threat district. So there's an actual map online. You look at the map. Are you, is your property in a CPUC high fire threat district? If so, and... 
Now, I want you to hear the and, mm-hmm. okay? And you're a medical baseline customer with PG&E. If you have those two things, my house is in an area that's prone to wildfire damage, and I'm a medical baseline customer with PG&E. What do you mean by that medical baseline? It means that you have medical equipment inside the home that you would be put at a disadvantage if you lost power. Mm. So medical equipment inside the home could be a CPAP machine, could be sleep apnea, could be an oxygen breather, could be motorized wheelchair. There's several different qualifiers, but if somebody has medical equipment inside the home that would be putting them at a disadvantage if they lost power, there's a program through PG&E that they can get part of called Medical Baseline. So if somebody's in a high fire threat district and a Medical Baseline customer with PG&E, they're eligible to receive up to $26,000 worth of Tesla Powerwalls at no out-of-pocket cost to them. Wow. So imagine 27 kilowatt hours of storage in a Tesla Powerwall, retail value, 26 grand. They pay nothing for it as part of the solar system if they're medical baseline and live in a CPUC-defined high fire threat district. And we have that information available at our office. So if anybody's interested in understanding or learning if they qualify for that benefit, all they have to do is text SOLAR, S-O-L-A-R, to 84503. Again, text SOLAR, to 84503, and we can help you to determine whether or not you might be eligible for that free battery incentive. Lastly, I want to say that the one last program that I want to say that's available today, this is new, five, six months old. There's a company out of Florida called Next Era Energy. Um, they're the third largest utility in the nation. They own Florida Light and Power. They heard about the shenanigans going on in Northern California and PG&E territory. They heard about the outrageous pricing. And they want to come into California and compete with PG&E for homeowner business in California. And they can't, because PG&E is a monopoly and they own the utility grid of Northern California, Next Era can't compete with them traditionally. But PG&E doesn't own Sunlight. They don't own the sun. So what NextEra is doing is they're installing a solar system for a homeowner at no out-of-pocket cost to the homeowner, ground mount or roof mount, giving them one of the smartest, most technologically advanced batteries available today, all of that at no out-of-pocket cost to the homeowner. Homeowner doesn't have to pay for permitting, inspections, labor, equipment, anything. All the homeowner has to agree to do is buy the energy that that solar system will generate. And that energy is meaningfully cheaper than PG&E's energy cost. Most people listening right now in PG&E territory are paying in the daytime about 40 cents a kilowatt hour for their energy. In the evening or afternoon time, tier two, they're paying about 60 cents. This program starts 18 to 24 cents. Most of our clients are seeing a 35% at a minimum up to 75% or more savings versus PG&E for a system they didn't have to finance, that they didn't have to write a check for, that they didn't have to buy. So that's one of our best incentive well, programs what about, available. What about rate increases with NextAir? Yeah, so they do have rate increases, but you know, in case you were living under a rock, PG&E's had a 13% rate increase on January 1st. Sure. And then they got another 18, I think, coming in in March. Um, This program is absolutely capped at no greater than a 3.5% rate increase per year. So, for context, because a lot of people think 3.5%, you know, that's something, right? Yeah. Well, I think most people that are listening in PG&E territory right now are going to see their utility bills double in the next five to seven years, and then double again another five to seven years after that. At 3.5%, Johnny, it's going to take somebody 22 years before that bill is doubled. So a lot slower growth. And I I take comfort in it. Retirees right now, they can't their income isn't going up 13, 18, 20 plus percent, but they're probably getting a three, three and a half percent cost of living adjustment. So that's at least something that protects them from what PGE is doing because currently PGE doesn't have a cap. I think that's more jeopardizing than being locked into a three and a half percent rate growth per year. Absolutely, without a doubt. And so you mentioned it's ground or roof mount. So is this Available in urban and rural areas? Yes, absolutely. Is there, any, is there any place it's not available? Uh, there's no place it's not available. There's just some places where it might not make sense. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in our local area, the cheapest energy of Northern California is Roseville. Roseville is the cheapest energy. Roseville comes in under 18 cents a kilowatt hour now. Their mm. highest charge is about 11. So, you know, for somebody living in Roseville, it might not make sense to go this program, but sure. definitely people that can hear us in SMUD territory for electricity and PGE territory for electricity, definitely a savings opportunity for them. 
Got it. Yeah, man. I used to live in Roseville Electric, or have Roseville Electric, and I wish I could just, and I'm just one street over right now. Just one street <laughs> over from Roseville. I wish I could just run an electrical cable over to my neighbor's house and just plug on in. Well, you mentioned somebody moving from Roseville to PG&E, and I, I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's like that's like somebody moving from you know Mexico to Dubai and, and seeing a price difference and a lifestyle difference and all that other stuff. PG&E is, is I, I think, near as I can tell, six to seven times more expensive than Roseville Electric. Oh my gosh. Well, hey. I heart Roseville. Fun fact, Valor and I actually traveled all 50 states. Valor and I hit all, my wife Valerie, we hit all 50 states trying to figure out where we wanted to live, and we actually settled on Roseville. So we didn't realize, well, we knew when we were moving that we were one street over, but we're like in Roseville, but not in Roseville. But like, oh my gosh, there's another, there's another plus for Roseville. Yep. But you mentioned um, there's no cost for them to install this ground or roof mount. Are they installing enough energy to zero cost the utilities, or what's the plan there? So back to that whole net energy metering discussion that we talked about, NIM2 versus NIM3. NIM2, when PG&E would give you a full value credit for the excess energy that the system produced, it's entirely possible for a NIM2 customer to mitigate their PG&E bill. Today, in NIM3, because of that 75% reduced benefit for the excess energy, because every solar system is going to generate excess energy, energy that's used, that's created beyond what the homeowner is using inside the home. So, because now that energy is 75% reduced and you need batteries to store it, it's much more difficult to zero out your PG&E bill. So, today, solar is about spending the smartest money possible to make the biggest impact in that bill. Solar will be cheaper than just renting your power from PG&E, but don't have an unrealistic expectation that we can eliminate the PG&E bill. What you want to do now is mitigate it by 70%, 80%, 90%. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the goal today. But if you build a system that's too big, then you're spend it's like spending an extra dollar to get a 10 cent benefit. It doesn't make sense to you to do those. So that that's why you really need somebody that's knowledgeable, that's smart, that's intelligent, that can help you understand how big of a system you need. What you don't need is an 18 to 22 year old door knocker trying to tell you how big your system needs to be. Yeah, it's paid on commission by the size. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So um, the point is, is they're not just going to throw some rinky dink little system on there, and then you're going to be paying them and paying PG&E. No, the size of the system isn't dependent on Next Era or the program's author. The size of the system is dependent on the homeowner. Mm-hmm. That's why I say one of the hardest questions I get on my radio show is people go, hey, Sean, you know, I got a three-bedroom, two-bath house. It's 1,800 square foot. How much is solar going to cost me? And I'm like, you just gave me no materially beneficial information to the solar equation, right? Tell me what your temperature preferences are in the summer. Tell me how many people live there. Tell me, you know, whether you work nine to five, Monday through Friday, both you and your spouse. I mean, it's a lot more complex than that. Utility usage is individual, right? It's very personal. What are your methods of comfort inside your home and how much energy does it take to achieve that? That's what we want to know. And that's how you properly size a system. My method is, am I comfortable? And then I get those those utility bills from PG&E that are like uh, energy shaming me, for lack of a better term. Like, yes. hey, this is where you should be. This is where you are, you horrible human being. Reduce yes. your energy utility. Well, you know, there's, there's people that have lived in the state long enough to know that comfortable electricity used to be affordable. You used to be able to live your life how you wanted to live your life, and you just dealt with the bill. But now the bill has got so caustically expensive in addition to everything else that you can't live life that way any longer. You got to pay attention. You got to be now like the light monitor or the refrigerator monitor. You got to yell at your kids because you don't want to get that $800 utility bill in the mail, right? Yep. So that that's unfortunate. And I think that's a travesty. I think that that's the thing that that really is unfortunate that 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 people work their tails off to enjoy some relaxation, respite, renewal inside their house and many of them are suffering in silence because they they can't afford the electricity. Absolutely. Yep, it's horrible. And then, but let's circle back to this next year thing, because I think this is, I mean, I personally know somebody that we referred over to you who is who's in the process of getting this installed, and they're so excited. Um, but next year, they're going to install the solar. Are you able to pair that if you have, meet the, the criteria with the Tesla battery? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can, well, let me qualify it. There's a, there's a battery that comes with the system. Currently, the Next Era program does not allow a Tesla battery to be paired to it because what, what they want is they want the most bulletproof infrastructure available. I love Tesla. I own a car. But if you look online at Tesla Energy, their ratings are horrendous. Mm. You know, oftentimes you'll see a one star, one star, one star. And I think it's a combination of their customer service. I think it's a combination of Elon's focus. I mean, here's Elon Musk. What's his priority right now? Is it Twitter? Is it Tesla? Is it SpaceX? Is it Neuralink? 
it isn't is Tesla Energy. That's way down on the list. If he's going to mine lithium, he's going to use it to sell more Tesla cars. He's not going to prioritize putting it into the Tesla batteries. So it's hard to get inventory. It's hard to get supply. And then they've had a spotty record. So currently, the Next Era program uses the best battery that's available in solar today. That's an in-phase, in-charge 10. It's a cost-savings battery. It's specifically purposed to be paired with that system to save money versus PG&E and push that excess energy that's saved throughout the day into the home in the nighttime when the solar isn't working. So you're not only getting solar, but you're also getting a battery? Oh, yeah. Solar and a battery. Oh, that's part of the system. Yes. I didn't realize that. That's even better. Cool. And so, um, well, that, that wraps up this segment. If you guys are looking to get more incentives. If you're looking to save money and move towards solar, how should they reach out to you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right now, we've got some of the strongest incentives available. I've got a, a white paper that I'll give to everybody that responds to this number. If you text SOLAR, one word, S-O-L-A-R, to 84503, my team will send out the latest 2024 incentives that outlines everything that we've talked about today. All of that information is available simply by picking up your smartphone right now and texting SOLAR to 84503. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. Sean Davis here, radio show host and more importantly, solar broker. And I'm reaching out to those of you that are frustrated with the fact that your utility bills and PG&E territory keep rising. The only option you have for saving money, the only option for taking control of your energy future is solar. As a solar broker owning a company called SolarWise, I would encourage you to reach out to us. Let us help you explore solar. Our pledge is to give you five or six quotes from five or six different companies. So if you text SOLAR to 84503, we'll see if we can help you save money. This is Made for More Living with Johnny Jennings, powered by EXP Realty, online at madeformoreliving.com. Do you know the number one question I am asked as a real estate agent as it pertains to solar? It is how much is solar going to increase the value of my home? If I'm leasing it, if I own it, is there a difference? Will it increase it a lot? Will it increase it at all? Well, you are in luck because today we have Sean Davis with SolarWise, and he is going to answer that question, put it to bed, so you know once and for all, how much does solar really increase the value of your home, Sean? <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. No, that's a great question. I, I also get that question, and, and it's uh, it's very common. And, and the reality of it is, is it's often the forgot about part of the financial equation of solar that people miss. Solar does add value to a house. Now, there's been several different studies. So, let's take real estate, for example. I think Zillow did a study, I want to say it was in 2018 or 2019, um, that basically profiled all of the transactions that they had had for certain markets. They looked at houses that had solar. They looked at houses that did not have solar. And that was the only differentiation was, does it have solar? Does it not have solar? And uh, what Zillow came up with was um, solar adds about 4% value to the house. Now, let me be very clear. I didn't like that Mm -hmm. study because I think that there's a lot of other things that go into the value of a property other than just the energy cost. So, in other words... I've been in houses in rural Placer County that's maybe a 900-square-foot house that has a six or $700 utility bill. For that house, solar would add more value than I would be in a house in Sacramento that might be a 4,000-square-foot house that has a $150 bill. That 4,000-square-foot house in Sacramento could be worth million five, and that solar system mitigating a $150 utility bill isn't going to add a hundred grand of value to that property, yeah. right? So, here's what, instead of fixating on an exact amount, now, by the way, there was another study that was done, and this was commissioned by the Department of Energy, that that I think is more accurate to the concern that I have about there's a lot of other things that go into the value of a home other mm-hmm. than the energy cost, right? This study came back that for every dollar that you can mitigate in renting your electricity from a utility, you're going to create, in the mind of a buyer, you're going to create $20 in value. That's how they quantified it to an actual dollar amount. You're going to create $20 in value in the mind of a purchaser. So stated simply, if I've got a $2,000 energy cost expense and solar mitigates that completely, um, that solar system might add forty grand of value to that particular property. But set both of those aside. Okay. Let me speak to the person out there in PG&E territory that is lamenting the four, five, six, eight hundred dollar utility bills that they're getting from PG&E that has wanted to explore solar. And let me talk to that person right now. If you were going to move and you were going to buy a house, 
would you not prioritize a house that has solar versus a house that doesn't, understanding the jeopardy of the current utility environment and the cost therein? Absolutely. And would you not potentially pay more a little bit more. I mean, if you had a house that normally, because of its size and its location, had a six, $700 a month utility bill that now is negligible because of solar, how much more affordability? I mean, think about interest rates right now and how much more house you could afford with $600 or $800 of expense that you didn't have to pay for, right? Mm-hmm. So what I like to say is everybody agrees it's going to add some value. The big question is how much. Yep. But stated a different way, if I'm right about what's coming in California, as California mandated in 2019, moving forward, that all new construction has to have solar, I would argue that a house that doesn't have solar, if you go to sell this year, five years from now, the longer the time between now and when you go to sell that you don't have solar, I think you're going to be at a significant selling disadvantage compared to other houses. Because imagine some young couple looking for a house or move-in buyer, somebody transferring from a different state. I mean, if all things are considered equal and you love house A and house B, but house B has its own power plant that mitigates your PG&E bill, house A doesn't, yep. which house is that you know, thinly you know, qualified purchaser going to purchase, you know, I think it's going to be the house with solar, right? So absolutely. So what most people look at when we're, when we're taking people out and looking at like how much home they're not so necessarily like they can, they care about the purchase price, but what they care about more is the monthly. And there's a lot of factors that go into that interest rates, right? Yeah. Is there an HOA, Melrose, things like that. And so what I'm hearing you say is that how much is that solar benefit going to really impact the monthly? Are they going to see a savings of $200 a month, $400 a month? Because that is what they're trying to fit into their budget. Yes. How much can they expect to pay a month? Yes. So so think about it this way. What are the, the three or four most significant costs of homeownership, right? Number one is the mortgage, right? Number two is probably homeowner's insurance, depending on the area. Oh, yeah. You know, specifically in like Placer County and, and wildfire threat areas. I just got a quote for a lady. Um, 90, she's 97 years old. The quote was $4,500 a year. Yes. On a home that's paid for. Now, you you really want to get some people upset? I would put 90% of that increase in cost of homeownership on PG&E's responsibility as well. 100%. Because if it wasn't for their wildfires that that caused devastation and destruction, you know, we wouldn't be seeing the outrageous doubling, tripling or quadrupling of home insurance rates that we're seeing, especially in those areas. So, you got the mortgage, you got homeowners costs. What's next? Probably utilities. Utilities are the biggest additional expense for people you know, maybe less so in Roseville, like we already talked about, maybe less so in SMUD territory because it's cheaper than PG&E by about 30%. But anybody that's listening that's in PG&E territory, your, your top three expenses are going to be your mortgage, homeowner's insurance, and specifically utilities. Or maybe that utilities could be the number one or number two. Yep. Yep. Or even taxes, right? So if Correct. you're talking, talking Melrose and property taxes, yes. in a new new development areas. By the way, solar does not add to the property tax basis of a house. So you do not have to pay extra property taxes because you add solar. Ching. Boom. Boom. I did not know that. So I like what you're saying though about the value. It's not it's not a linear thing because people always um, especially people in larger homes. Yeah. They when I'm meeting with them in the living room, they're like, well my home should be worth a whole lot of money because I'm basing it off the average price per square foot. I'm like, you have a five thousand square foot house. The average home is 2,500 square feet. Of course, the price per square foot, like your, your home yeah. is going to be worth so much. But there's so much more that goes into that equation. Um, a friend of mine, Ryan Lundquist, likes to use the, the comparison of a Honda Civic and a Ferrari are basically the same size. They cover the same surface area, but they're two very different cars. They're two very different costs. Right, and so there's a lot of factors that go into the value of a home. So that would make sense why there's a whole lot more factors that go into the value of a solar system, and it's not just it's not just a simple four yeah. percent increase, four percent bump. Well, like take for example contextual experience, right? So like if somebody's already had solar and benefited from solar. Are they not going to prioritize a house that has solar itself? In other words, they've had real world experience. They, they understand it. Now, that might be different than somebody moving across country to California, has no idea what's going on in PG&E territory. They see two different houses they love. They're two different prices, but they don't have the context or the experience of living in this environment, paying what you pay PG&E. So they might not assign as much value to a house that produces its own power. 
Absolutely. And so what you're talking about, though, is that not all solar systems, whether it's leased, whether it's owned, whether it's a NEM 2.0, NEM 3.0, they're not all the same. They don't uh, have the same value assigned to them. And I think the same would hold true for solar brokers. Correct. Thank you, Johnny. You Absolutely. got it right. Well, if you took a hundred solar folk and put them into a room, I probably represent three to five. You know, so I'm I'm already rare being a broker yeah. because most of the solar industry is a solar salesperson captive to a specific company. They've got one company, one option, the company that makes their paycheck. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not employed by any solar companies. I don't. I'm not an employee of any of them. I don't. I, I here's what I do. I help homeowners find the cheapest fairest, best options for producing a power plant on their roof with various solar companies I've had experience with. Because the solar industry is very fractionalized. So, for example, some companies don't do ground mounts. So, what if I've got a homeowner in a rural part of Placer County that wants a ground mount? Some solar companies won't allow solar folk to do commercial jobs. Well, what if I've got a church or a commercial project that I want? What if I'm outside of a certain region? You know, I cast a wide net with radio. What if a certain company doesn't go 150 miles outside of that area? So what a broker is, is somebody that has a lot of options, a lot of resources that can guide the homeowner to those resources. So when somebody works with us, our pledge to them is to get them five or six independent quotes from five or six completely different companies that we have real world experience working with. Right. I've gone through 30 companies, gotten rid of 19 to net the 11 I work with now. There's a lot of shady solar companies out there. And so we want homeowners to have a good experience, fair pricing and to feel empowered with knowledge through the process. So when you say you eliminated some of those solar companies, what were some of the shady things that you were like, hey, I can't recommend you anymore? Um, problems with the install, functional problems with the quality of work that they do. Um, another example is I had a company, you know, cheaper isn't always better and better mm-hmm. isn't always cheaper. I had a company that I worked with, always the cheapest, best quote. But then when you get into the process after somebody signed a contract, they'd want to do a change order, change order, change order. You know, so that I, I just don't like that. I like predictability. I like fair. I, I like common sense. And so we've really had to, you know, weed out some of those bad players in the game to net the ones that we have now, which is all the more reason if you're listening, if you've ever wanted to explore solar, you know, do do yourself a favor, text us. We communicate with our audience via text. If you text SOLAR, S-O-L-A-R, to 84503, we'll be able to give you um, our latest summary, which is all the 2024 incentives in solar um, that we got available, and you'll have a mechanism to contact us if you're interested. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for hopping on the show today. Again, that's Sean Davis with SolarWise, and we look forward to having you back on the show in the soon in the near future. Hey, love that. Awesome.